You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Tuesday, August 2nd, talking Brewers baseball today with Adam McKelvey, our Brewers reporter. Adam, thanks so much for the time on this Tuesday. And uh, the Brewers were expected to be a busy team leading up to the trade deadline. They did not disappoint, as David Stern certainly uh, made the most of those two days leading up to the August 1st deadline, uh, getting a very impressive haul of prospects back in return for some of the uh, coveted veterans on this roster. But I uh, want to start off with the entire ordeal about uh, Jonathan Lucroy. As everybody knows by now, he was at one time a future Cleveland Indian. Uh, that did not happen. And I think a, a kind of knee-jerk reaction from fans when they saw that whole thing unfold was, well, you know, why doesn't a guy like Jonathan Lucroy playing for a team going nowhere this year not want to join a first-place team with a legitimate shot at the World Series, but when you really break things down, a lot of contractual and financial reasons why he uh, put the squash on this trade, if you can kind of elaborate on those and explain why he said no to this deal. Yeah, I'm going to try to not use up our entire podcast on this. (laughs) But here's what it comes down to, Matt. If this were a revenue-neutral situation for Jonathan Lucroy, he's a Cleveland Indian right now, in my opinion. He picked them uh, on his no trade when they were not expected to be as good as they are. Um, he had no problem with Cleveland in itself. He, I think he likes that team where they're going, all of that. But he is a player playing on one of, if not baseball's most friendliest, club-friendliest contracts. For years, he has had zero financial leverage. This was a moment, his first in years, of financial leverage, and it is not uncommon at all for a player to – in exchange for waiving a no trade, to get something in return. The Indians, and I've confirmed this um, because this is how it was first reported and it's correct, they not only were unwilling to offer a financial sweetener or waive the club option for next season, which was obvious. They're not going to give up as much as they were for just two months of Blue Cry. Beyond those two things, they could not tell him that he was going to be the catcher next season in a contract year. Remember, they have Jan Gomes. He's hurt, having a bad year, but also hurt uh, into September. But he's a player who's under contract for long term, younger, part of their future. So Jonathan Lucroy faced a situation where not only was he not going to get a little something extra for waiving this no trade and using this little bit of leverage that he has, but he was potentially going to put himself in a damaging situation um, by going into a contract year and becoming Joe Maurer where you play catcher, or you play first base, and you DH. Now, for Joe Maurer, that's fine. He's got the big contract. For Lucroy, this is his one shot to take care of his family for the rest of everybody's life. So that's kind of how this came to be. I'm not sure, you know, you want to blame someone when something like this happens. I'm not sure there is anyone to blame. You can't present this to Lucroy and get him in touch with the Indians until you have a deal in place. So I don't really blame the Brewers. I don't blame the Indians. And from their point of view, they're giving up four really good prospects already. Why should they have to pay anything extra on top of that? It just didn't work out. The Brewers had to go back to the drawing board. And, of course, we know in the end uh, they did find a deal. The Indians aren't happy, but I think Jonathan Lucroy is happy where he did end up going, which is Texas. Yeah, I think that's uh, 
that's a good point about how when things like this happen, you know, everybody's first reaction is to assign blame <laughs> and to and to point fingers and say, you know, you screwed up or you did something wrong. And sometimes that's just not the case. You know, the, the Indians had their rights. The Brewers had their rights. And Jonathan Lucroy certainly has his rights. He knows that uh, at age 30, you know, he's got one last, uh, you know, big payday. Uh, he knows where his career is at. He knows what his age is, obviously. So does everybody else. So, again, there's no real real bad guys here in this. It's just something that simply did not work out. End of discussion. Now, the one thing that I need you to make clear to me and maybe some other people is that I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that this entire process got to a veto point. And by that, I what I mean is, were there any sort of preliminary discussions between David Stearns and Jonathan Lucroy to tell him, you know, hey, look, here's what's going on. You know, it's no secret you're you're on the trade block, and we're here are the teams we're talking to. I know that, you know, this particular team, meaning the Indians, is on your no-trade list, but still we're having discussions with them. It, was there any sort of communication between the two sides? And, and what I'm getting at here is, you know, how did it get to the point where a player literally had to say, no, I don't accept this trade? Well, I don't – I don't 100% know the answer to this. I think the way, as you suggested, it's logical that even if it's technically not allowed, this, some sort of discussion like that would have happened. But until you put the player with the other team and they start talking about those factors I just ran through, you don't know how it's going to turn out. You can't put the player, you can't put Jonathan Lucroy and his representative in touch with the Indians to see how they're going to work it out if they get to the point of making a trade when you don't have a trade. So I think you had to come to an agreement on the players first. You have to do things in a certain order, in other words. So, again, I've kind of thought through this. I'm not sure how this could have been avoided. I'm very interested at some moment to sit down with David Stearns where the cameras aren't rolling and the recorders aren't rolling and kind of have a conversation about can this be avoided in the future. But, again, it's sometimes things happen and it's business and it's a little messy, but it doesn't mean anybody was wrong. And I sort of, you know... I sort of think this might be one of those positions where at least you can see everybody's point of view here. Yeah, I, I agree where, you know, you, you see it from all three sides, as we talked about the, the Indian side, the Brewer side and Jonathan Lucroy's side. And like you said, it would be interesting, you know, where there's no cameras or tape recorders rolling to really get David Stern's thoughts on what, <laughs> what really went down, what really didn't go down, how this whole thing came about. Uh, a timeline, but again, until or unless that happens, it's very hard to kind of put those pieces together and figure out, you know, how it got to this veto point. It's rare that this happens, but it does happen, and it happens certainly with uh, Jonathan Lucroy. Now, Adam, as you touched on, it seems like the Indians were ready to throw a king's ransom at Milwaukee's direction to get Lucroy. Part of the reason why they did uh, they didn't want to further incentivize his contract financially because, like you said, they were giving up the moon and stars from a prospect perspective, to get this guy. So now that thing falls through. Days later, as we saw, the Brewers then deal him and their closer, Jeremy Jeffress, to Texas. But for a package that maybe you could argue not as impressive as what Cleveland was offering for Lucroy by himself, is that your assessment of this or maybe not quite? Well, look, I am a hard – I always have a hard time judging this kind of stuff because I'm reading the same lists and scouting reports you are and everyone else is. I have not put my eyeballs on these players. So I think everybody is kind of guessing when they make these uh, snap judgments right at the deadline. I will say that my first reaction as an uneducated observer was, wow, it seems like they would have got more. 
And that's not because of Jonathan Lucroy. To me, it's because of Jeremy Jeffers. And you look at what Will Smith fetched from the Giants, um, a top 100 prospect and their best pitching prospect, plus a young catcher. Uh, you look what Andrew Miller got uh, for the Yankees from the Indians, a huge haul, way more, it seems to me, than Jonathan Lucroy was going to cost them. The price of relief was extremely high. And when you look at packaging Lucroy and Jeffers and you get two good prospects, it seemed a little light. Now, it depends on what you're looking for as a team. Uh, the Brewers have been kind of a volume team in a lot of their deals. In other words, they have gotten maybe not, uh, you know, an Addison Russell type prospect when he moved to the Cubs. They haven't gotten that top, top, top guy. They've gotten a lot of good prospects, and they're sort of. It looks like they're trying to gather volume and see who emerges. But in the case of this Rangers trade, they got two prospects who, for whatever the rankings are worth, were more highly ranked than the, pro- the best prospect they were going to get in the Indians trade. So maybe they didn't get as much volume in this case, but perhaps they got more quality. And that would make sense because they included a really good reliever in Jeremy Jeffers. Now, the one thing I think everybody, the, the reason this grading the trade deadline is difficult to do 20 minutes after the deadline passes is in this case, there's a player to be named later. We don't know anything so far about the nature of those players. I'm going to guess that it's a pretty good player, and I'm going to guess that when that player emerges, it's going to change the outlook of this trade a little bit. Now, some people still might look at even if it's three good prospects and say the Brewers didn't get enough for two really good players. And that certainly is a valid argument, especially in light of that veto. And you got to figure David Stearns was not in the strongest of bargaining positions after the Brewers uh, had a trade, it falls apart. The whole baseball world knows they want to trade this guy. Now they have to go out and find a, a good offer. So it, it it did seem a little bit light. All I'm saying is let's wait and see who that third player is. Yeah, that's going to make a big difference, too. And uh, John Daniels, to his credit, the Texas GM, uh, pounced on the situation, as you pointed out. Everybody knew the Brewers wanted to get rid of uh, – I should say get rid, but wanted to make a good deal for – uh, Jonathan Lucroy, they end up sending him and Jeremy Jeffress uh, in a package deal to Texas. And I think the one thing, you know, given fans' uh, knee-jerk reaction sometimes, they instead of looking at the players you get, you look at the players you don't get. And the one name yep. not on the list was Joey Gallo because that was the one guy who's got, you know, name recognition, uh, you know, the, the tape measure home runs and spring training and during various stints with uh, Texas. And I think he was the one guy – that Brewers fans are really kind of salivating over and saying, you know what, we, we've got to get somebody of his ilk back. Do you agree with that, that, uh, you know, as, as good and promising as the guys they got back are, that there was the, the, the disappointment of this uh, from a Brewers fan's perspective kind of centered around the fact that, that one of those names was not Joey Gallo? I, I do agree. And I, I do agree that that impacted the perspective of the trade because you don't have to be Jonathan Mayo or Jim Callis or Keith Law to know who Joey Gallo is. Or I'll add Jerkson Profar, another player who the Brewers have long been linked to and with their need at, say, third base, uh, would have looked pretty nice on the Brewers' uh, roster as well. So I think that does impact the perception. I will tell you that Joey Gallo is not – I'm trying to think of another good name, uh, uh, just an absolute – he's not Bryce Harper. When Bryce Harper came up, it was like, this guy's going to be a stud. Joey Gallo's got some development to do. And this outfielder the Brewers got in the deal, uh, Lewis Brinson, could be a really good player as well. 
look, there's a lot of work to do with him, too. There's a project. But uh, there's at least a discussion to be had, uh, you know, the, the merits of Brinson over the long term, uh, he could end up being pretty good as well. So this is, again, we all want to, we always want to grade the trade. Doug Melvin always used to laugh at us for doing this. Um, it's really, it's difficult to do number one, and it's not very productive to do because you don't know. You need to wait, see how this thing uh, develops. I'd love to do a podcast, Matt, in five years. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we talk about Brinson versus Gallagher. Maybe Joey Gallo turns into a big stud and the Brewers look like total idiots. <laughs> but it's not a given that that's going to happen. I'm, I'm very fascinated to kind of keep this in the back of our minds and look back on it over time. Well, uh, August of 2021, let's book it. Uh, let's revisit this topic and see where everybody ends up. Uh, can, we- can I can I add one thing, Matt, sure, to that? Sure. Just because it popped in my mind as we talk about looking back. I'll give you the best example in my tenure of, on this team. When the Brewers traded for CC Sabathia, they gave up a big uh, prospect package headlined by Matt Laporta, and it hurt Brewers fans so bad that Matt Laporta was in this deal. That deal also included a player to be named later. So this has two examples of this. The, the players uh, were Michael Brantley, who a couple of you might have heard of, sure. and Taylor Green, who many people probably have not heard of. And if the uh, Brewers made the playoffs, it was going to be Brantley. If the Brewers didn't make the playoffs, it was going to be Green. And obviously it ended up being Brantley because the Brewers made the postseason that year. And Brantley has become a big-time stud. Injuries, obviously, but a big-time stud when he's on the field. Taylor Green never made it. So at the time, those players were on the same par. Now we can look back and say, wow, the Indians obviously got the better player. We can also look back and say, wow, we were all really wrong about Matt LaPorta. So that, that trade on a couple of different levels illustrates how you just don't know. you got to let uh, – you got to make your best judgment of talent. You got to make your best judgment of what what you think fair value is, what you can squeeze out of another team. But even when you do all those things right, sometimes the players just don't work out. And the you know these guys, they're all lottery tickets. You know, it's rare as you said to get a guy who is an absolute bona fide slam dunk, can't miss, like a Bryce Harper, like a Carlos Correa, like a Steven Strasburg. So few of those players actually come through the system. Everybody else, it's a wait-and-see proposition, and this is certainly one of those. Uh, Adam, just to wrap up here, you know, even though David Stearns might get some average grades uh, for the return on the Jeffress and Lucroy deal, I got to think, and you pointed this out briefly, he's get, he's getting spectacular reviews for what he got back for Will Smith. And no offense to Will Smith, who's very good, and he's under yeah. a team-friendly contract, but he's not Chapman. He's not Andrew Miller, but I would argue – that the package they got in return for him rivals what the Yankees got back in return for both Chapman and Miller. Do you agree? Well, I don't know about the Miller. That Miller trade was pretty good with Clint Frazier going. He's a big-time prospect. But they, but they did well. They got a really good uh, pitching prospect uh, for, for Will Smith uh, in Bickford, uh, number 65 on the MLB Top 100. So, you know, I think you can look at David Stern's work in totality. He traded – Aaron Hill a couple of weeks ago, um, and then he made these uh, deadline deals here. And in return, in the end of this, the Brewers have the eight of the top 100 prospects in baseball that's tied with the Astros for most, uh, and a lot of those players have been acquired recently, as a, you know, re- basically within the last 13 months as the Brewers really got into rebuilding. So they've got a, a quantity of prospects now. And, you know, we'll see. I think I feel like you, the, the 
one theory of player development is you get as many good players as you can, regardless of what position they play. You put them in a fishbowl, you shake them up, and you see who rises to the top. And it's all said and done. The top right now is Orlando Arcia. We'll probably talk about him a lot down the line. He'll make his Brewers debut tonight. Uh, so they are sort of turning the page from the trade deadline and now looking forward into what they hope is a good future. going to be tough now. They're, they're down some very good major league players. But uh, the, the eyes have kind of turned now to the future and what could be when they finally get through this rebuild. Yeah, absolutely, and a good point about Arcia, who, as we speak on this Tuesday, makes his debut hours from now at Petco Park in uh, San Diego. We'll talk about him to kick things off next week because for right now, there are no more sands in our hourglass, so Adam will wrap it up right here. Adam McCalvey, our Brewers reporter, joining us here on this Tuesday. Great stuff, as always. We'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.